0: It's Dr. Stew's Podcast at drstuspodcast.com. I'm Brian Whitman along with my old pal, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. And here we are for podcast number 48, officially the fourth dozen podcast.
1: Yes, you know, I'm having a lot of fun just watching you be so excited when you hear the Thor music. Uh, it gets you going. I think and, I have to watch the movie now. I've never seen it. You know that? Yeah, you told me that, and I was like, uh, I, I can I cannot believe that you <laughs> haven't seen the superhero. <laughs> superhero movies are good. They take you away from everything. Yeah. They they take us back to a time when, you know, everything was like America was strong and powerful and and yeah. uh, the,
0: the escapism is. You, I just you,
1: saw Captain America a week ago. Did you
0: like it? I saw a friend who saw I, it. He was kind of
1: eh on it. Well, you know what? How can you be eh on something? It's pure fantasy. You know. You I can mean, be eh. Yeah, I guess. I mean, i been ech on food. I'm ech on people. I'm ech. Sp- Speaking of food, I have a good story for you. Oh, okay. and then I have a good food story for you. Well, let me tell you my story because you know, I, part of my problem is lately that I've been really busy. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of bursts last week. I can tell
0: you're busy. I see it in your eyes when you're tired.
1: Yeah, and I'm 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 texting. I'm being inundated from all angles. And so, you know, today I, I was in the office this morning and I saw a lot of clients this morning, uh, very very exciting. Then I took care of a lot of uh, emails and paperwork and and text messaging I got in my car I was driving to do a postpartum visit on somebody who who had delivered on uh, Monday At home? Well, yeah, they're well, all oh, or at the birth center. Yeah, they're all, or the, all re, the, yeah, okay. They're all at home. <laughs>
0: they're all not at the hospital. They're
1: all not at the hospital. That's right. Yeah, that's that's the alternative. Um and uh, so I'm driving. I'm driving to
0: this house in Simi Valley. Quick question: You do a postpartum checkup because the client, the patient, the woman complains of symptoms that might be postpartum, or is it procedure no matter what? It is procedure no matter what. Oh. It's just good. It's good medicine. Good, and it's good. Uh, um,
1: it, it's just good policy. It's in the best interest yeah, of mom and to check mom and baby. Yeah, right. And even though I'm not uh, not very well, I'm not very well versed in baby. Uh, stuff because I never was trained in baby yeah, stuff. Yeah, how do you figure out if a baby's well, depressed? Uh, 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 the midwives are. Midwives are trained in the model
0: of mother-baby as a unit. I want to get to this car ride of yours, but very quickly. If a baby's depressed, how does I'm it- I'm never ma- going to get my, my food story. No, anyway. how does it manifest symptoms? What, he puts the rattle down? He doesn't want to shake the rattle? He's no, they,
1: they, are, they don't suck well. Oh. They are a little orange. Oh. Uh, or not. Um, they- uh, aren't sleeping well how many diapers have they had in the last couple of days okay uh, so there's a lot you know, of serious how much did stuff. they weigh did they go to the pediatrician as we requested that they did all these things then we check on mom too and mom has to have her be be checked out we check her vital signs we we check to make sure she's getting some sleep, that she's getting nutrition, that you know everything's that all her bodily functions are working just fine. All right, so you and are, suddenly, and then we debrief. Sometimes we debrief the birth, and how was it for you? How, was it what you thought? Yeah, we, you know, we will allow them to express themselves to to make it uh, a holistic sort of
0: approach. So, Doctor Stu is in the car, ready to do one of these uh, home postpartum update kind of you know, briefings. And
1: I'm, I'm, I'm illegally reading texts and dealing <laughs> with stuff while I'm driving in my car, and. And then I'm about, I'm about 20 minutes early for my visit, and I see that there's a Carl's Jr. on the, on the
0: right side. So, in Simi Valley, I think I know where it is, by the way. Yeah, it's on Madeira. And, yeah. <laughs> and I saw the
1: Carl's Jr. there. So I said, Well, you know what? I'll just stop in and I'll get a burger and, and, and a soda. And oh, and there's a Chase Bank. So you know what I'll do? I'll go over to the Chase Bank first, get some money for the weekend. So I go to the Chase Bank first. Then I get texts. Then I'm dealing with some texts. So I get in my car after getting my money out of the automated teller, and I'm dealing with that sort of thing. You're I not
0: say, even in line yet for your burger.
1: No, 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 I'm not. I'm sitting right. in my car at the bank. So then I get in my car and I drive over to the, to the window and I order my burger and I order my soda <laughs> right. and I drive through and I pay and it's uh, $5.11 Can't for my it. burger and soda. And then I pull over into another parking spot in, in the shopping center to there it. to eat it. You get some fries with that?
0: And No, I didn't get fries.
1: Ooh, I'm not doing the fries. That's a high price. Five
0: eleven, no fries. I don't like that. But anyway.
1: Well, here's the story. So I'm looking at my, you know, I, I, take the, I take the bag and open the bag and I wonder why is my Carl's Jr. burger in a Tommy's burger bag? And then I realized, how did they get chili on my cheeseburger? Can I make a layman's prediction? You were at Tommy's. I went to the wrong drive. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy's is right next to Carl's Jr. And I'm so busy and so absent-minded. And because I'm so distracted, I didn't even realize I was at the wrong place.
0: Do you like Tommy's? Did you like what you I like,
1: uh, you know, it was okay. You
0: liked it it enough to finish it.
1: You know what? You have to eat Tommy's burgers,
0: not driving because they're messy oh my god are they messy yeah they're messy so it was fine well our friend christina that's how dr Stu and i met uh we've told this Over story tommy's already. burgers no, but uh, uh, Christina, my former girlfriend, has a great connection. She has a friend named—I won't say a friend's name. Uh, okay, Jan. She has a friend named Jan, and I know Jan forever. And Jan's sort of like a very sweet, very regular, ordinary person. I don't—I mean that in the very most in the most positive sense. Uh, no airs about her. Uh, just you know, very relatable. You can talk to her about anything. She's a sweetheart. And we're having a conversation. Christina and I are talking one day about Jan, and she says, "Oh, well, well you know what Jan's family business is, right?" And I said, "No, I have, I have no idea." I've, she says, "Tommy's The family owns Tommy's. I said, "Are you kidding me?" I said, F- five years, <laughs> you never got me in there for a Tommy's burger or for some fries? Yeah, it would
1: have saved yourself $5.11. Every too. week. I know.
0: Uh, compounded by five, 52 weeks a year, five, that's 250 weeks yeah. times $5. I think it's a lot of money.
1: But I'm starting to wonder about myself a little bit. Well, because you're that busy. Well, yeah. I mean, this is this was this was really weird. I, I mean, I swear to God, I thought I was at Carl's Jr. And I thought when the bag said Tommy's on it that something maybe Carl's Jr. had bought I mean, I mean, right. Tommy said, "Bought Carl's Jr." Right. So <laughs> couldn't quite figure it out, and then I realized that I went to the wrong place, and I re- and I realized that I'm I'm way too busy. And one of my missions this year is to make sure that I get a new physician to come work with me. I need to get somebody trained, whether they're a young person who wants to be trained or an old person who's just fed up with what's happening in healthcare and what's happening in the hospital. So let's de- do this again. I definitely need help. Yeah. I definitely need a doctor. Because of the laws in California, uh, um, even though I'd love to have just midwives working with me, they're not allowed to do breaches. They're not allowed to do twins. You know what happened to me a few weeks ago when I went skiing is that a, a, a breach of mine went into labor and she ended up having to have a C-section because there was nobody who would who would back me up. And then next week, I'm going to go away for three days to take my daughter back to the Midwest to look at some colleges. How fun. And then and I have a couple people that are due, two of them who are a breach. And And you had three breaches the week before last. I delivered three breaches in a row and three V backs. The last six of my last seven deliveries. Were breaches or VBACs.
0: You've been really busy. Now, seriously, let's. Uh, you, you say you need help. When we did our New Year show, you talked about 2014 wanting to be a year for you to bring in a, another physician. Seriously and truly, um, if somebody and, and a lot of folks who listen to Dr. Stu's podcast are, of course, moms, dads who have had their babies out of the hospital at home, whether it's water birth or home birth uh, or at the sanctuary. Lots of people who listen to Dr. Stu's podcast are family members or loved ones of those folks. And a lot of people are in the medical establishment. They're doctors, they're PAs, they're middle wives, their doulas, who are not so much in the establishment as as the aforementioned uh, PAs and, and uh, MDs. But what are you looking for, Dr. Stu? You're looking for, really and truly, you're looking for an MD, an OBGYN, Really? I mean, if you're looking, yeah, the let's old, throw the old, it out there. The
1: old adage was, uh, "Anybody that can fog a mirror, will take." But, <laughs> well, I'm but that's not the case. That's right. not the case. That okay. used to be the case for people on call at the hospital. Mm. We used to joke about that. That's anybody funny. to help share call with us would be great, as long as they're you know, alive. Right. But that's not what we need here. Obviously, what I need is a like-minded person who's open, open to um, birthing alternatives, who's confident in in their skills, who trusts birth. Who likes what they do. Are you looking for a number of years experience as a minimum? Doesn't matter. No. They need to have a license to practice medicine <laughs> yeah. in California. That would be helpful. And they need to be an obstetrician. I, uh, they have to be an obstetrician. Right. I w- or, or a DO, which is a doctor of osteopathy. But they don't have to be a gynecologist. Th- they have to be either a DO or an obstetrician-gynecologist. Okay. All right. you know, I really A family practitioner isn't probably going to be trained enough to do things like twins or breeches or... Uh, forceps or vacuums. I am willing to pay to send somebody who's interested to go to Germany for two or three months to take to to work with uh, Anka Ritter and Frank Lewin at their clinic in Frankfurt, Germany, where they have a breach clinic, and they probably do. They probably could get 15 to 25 breaches. Uh, under their belt in two, in two months.
0: Serious and question because we talked about gender of uh, OBGYNs or, or gynecologists or obstetricians and we've talked about some sort of bias sometimes uh, and you've talked about your own staffing in your office. Are you looking for a male, a female, or really does it not matter? Oh,
1: no, it doesn't matter. It just needs to be somebody who is, who is like-minded, who is personable, who
0: the clients like? Yeah, and and we have to, of course, since we're. And I, I think this is great because I love when we can use the power of a medium like this to actually change somebody's life. And potentially, we can do that here. If somebody's listening, uh, I don't want to ask you for an exact figure, but but give some sort of barometer or some sort of guidepost on what that salary. Well, looks we can't, like. we
1: can't possibly compete with. Uh, what places like Kaiser or other other HMOs are paying. Right. I, I talked to a resident at Cedar sinai a couple months ago and asked her what she was doing next year. And she said she's going to work for Kaiser up in Northern California. And I said, can I ask you what they're paying? And she said, sure. Uh, and she said, uh, they're paying me $270,000. I go, holy shit. You know, I can't afford to pay something like that. Plus, they're giving her a pension plan. Plus, she has obviously health benefits. There's no way to compete
0: with something like that. And that's but her salary from Kaiser.
1: That's her salary from Kaiser. And she has no, I mean, they, they pay for her malpractice and everything. So out of that 270, you know. I have to like, tell you, I expected
0: a much lower number. So what you, did I. You know.
1: And the government's going to take a nice chunk of that because she's not going to have a lot of expenses or deductive, deductions. But, you know, still, she's going to walk away with $180,000 yeah. a year. God bless but her. That's You know, that's uh, 15000 bucks a month. That's right. uh, uh, pretty darn good. Yep. Now, I can't possibly compete with that, but I can give somebody a much better lifestyle because we're talking about, you know working part time uh, taking you know giving me breaks where i can go speak or go on vacation turns out southern um, california is a really nice place we're talking about only doing 5 no more than 5 births a month right you know you go to work for kaiser she's going to be doing i don't know 30 40 even more births a month right. uh, on her nights on call when she's on call so she's going to work harder she's going to be taking care of people that she's never met before people that she takes care of in the clinic are probably going to be delivered by her colleagues yeah. on call. There's going to be a variation in the in the quality and the uh, the care that are given by her colleagues, and some of that she's not going to have anything to do about it. She's not going to be able to have any control yeah. over what policies they use, what drugs they're allowed to prescribe, what tests they're allowed to order. This is all sort of, uh, so she basically becomes a cog in a wheel. She becomes sheep, not shepherd. Mm-hmm. And, I, and listen, I understand that because right now it, it is very difficult to uh, run a solo or private practice. But I'm offering a whole new paradigm. What I what I'm doing is never I've never been happier. And uh, the only thing I'm saying is that I'm actually because I'm doing so well and because there's such a demand for what we're doing, and the home birthing world is growing. You're tired. Um, yeah, there's, there, there, we need more people to do what we're doing.
0: Okay, uh, quite honestly, if you're listening to Dr. Stu's podcast, you're <laughs> at drstuspodcast.com, maybe you subscribe on iTunes. I recommend you do that. You get an alert every time there's a new show. Write a nice review. Give Dr. Stu five stars. And you want to get in contact with Dr. Stu about that opportunity, we have an email address for you. Dr. Stu reads all of them personally, so you can send him a personal email. Ask Doctor Stu at gmail.com. Ask Dr. Stew at gmail.com if you have listened to those uh, qualifications and you think, "Wow, sounds like me and Southern California sounds like a place I'd like to have a nice uh, adventure and and if you're like-minded, of course, when it comes to home birthing and uh, all of the issues we talk about here, I've talked about on now the 48th podcast, uh, really and truly send an email to Dr. Stew, ask Dr. at yeah, gmail.com. We're
1: we're doing really good work. I mean, yesterday for instance, I was at uh, the Valley Valley uh, v back support group, which is a group of women that have had uh, cesarean sections or are hoping to have a V back. It seems
0: is, to me you spend a lot of time in the Antelope Valley.
1: I there's a large population there, and there's only one midwife or two midwives that work up there. And a lot of, if there's a breach or a V back, we sort of have a good You're ne- at, networking up there. Right. And so I've delivered several people up there, although most of them at the Santa Clarita Birth Center because they don't really want to drive all the way to Palmdale. Right. But uh, I did. Do, I did go to the meeting last night, and it was very informative and very enlightening as to you know what the restrictions are on these poor women, and a lot of it has to do with economics. A lot of them are going to a certain uh, practice because they do allow VBAC, but it's a very restricted option, uh, and they um, do that because uh, of the cost. You know, it's covered by their you know, their insurance. Right. Whereas if they were to have a home birth and then have a much probably a much better experience and a greater chance of success. Uh, of the VBAC being successful, which I, I will, you know, I, again, there's anecdotal stories and then there's data and then there's common sense. And I will tell you that if you trust the mammalian model of birth and you believe that uh, unfettered and leaving a woman alone in birth is the ideal way for a mammal to give birth, then home birthing is a better option for any of these sorts of things than hospital-based birthing. And these women, there were three of them there that are all hap- hoping to have a VBAC, Um and I felt like God, you know what? I wanted I wanted to grab them all and hug them all and take care of them. Their husbands were there. It was a really a great meeting. It was very emotional yeah. to hear their stories and the restrictions that are put upon them. And so if if there are doctors, there have to be doctors out there somewhere that are have just are really fed up with all these restrictions, like I was, and are looking for an alternative, but they don't know there's an alternative out there. They basically you know, it's hard to let go of that rock in the middle of the stream, which is the hospital-based birthing, which is all they've ever known.
0: Sure, and when it's been the source of your primary income and it's been your life. I mean, you talk about it for three decades. Right.
1: But there must be either somebody that's new that's coming out of residency or somebody whose kids are off to college or even out of college already, who's in their 50s, who's just decides, you know... I'm just fed up with this sort of stuff yeah. and I and I really would like to enjoy my work again. I've got another 20 years to practice this profession and it's getting more and more restrictive uh, as we go along. For instance, I will even I will even go off on a tangent here. Sure. I was reading in the American Journal of OBGYN yesterday. It's the, called the Gray Journal. Uh, an article about a uh, written by a group of physicians from uh, I hate to say this, maybe it was New Mexico. I can't remember what university they were from. But it was justification for credentialing for fetal heart rate monitoring reading. In other words, coming up with, you know, this is what you train for residency program for, and this is just going to be another one of those things. You know, you've heard me talk about mm-hmm. how the uh, medical boards are are, um, are, are wanting to re- control what you do and make you take your board recertification
0: every year. This but who, gonna, who would this impact? Because obviously you've trained for that already in no, residency. And, well,
1: what they're going to do is they're going to justify their position by going to hospitals and saying, you need to use our testing system on all your nurses and doctors. Mm. And, the, and the people at the hospital are going to say, hmm, this might be a way to mitigate our liability. Right. So they're going to institute this. And then doctors are going to have to start taking testing like, like you need CPR certification every two years. Right. This is going to be another certification, just another thing besides electronic fetal monitoring and goggles and masks well, how, how long and would, hand washing. You know, and- I'll give you the other side here. How long would that take to do that? Well, I, I mean, you'd have to take the test. And right. You'd have to take the course online. So right. maybe take you know three, four hours online and then taking a test.
0: All right, let me ask you, really and truly, I love you.
1: Is that too much to ask of a doctor who's going to be delivering babies? Brian, you're a broadcaster, all right? I don't know. You probably didn't go to broadcasting school. I didn't. Okay, but you're excellent at what you do. Would you like someone to come in
0: every two years to make sure that you can still do what you do? No, I'd be pissed off. Yes,
1: and you have to pay for that, <laughs> and you have to pay for the privilege, too.
0: I like how you get and the answers out of me when you uh, personalize and, it with me, but you're right, yeah, I'd be pissed.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's insulting, and, you know, I mean, this is what we do, and, and there isn't, and, and again, reading tracings isn't just, uh, you can't standardize these things. I mean, they, they keep wanting to standardize them because they think it's going to lower liability, but it doesn't lower liability. It actually increases liability because now if you deviate from the standard, it's just, it, it's so easy to, to do that and to to call someone on that, and sometimes you need to deviate from the standard because not all women are the same, not all labors go at the same speed. Uh, you know, for instance, we got an email today which we can talk about in a second um, that talks about this sort of thing. But it's drive it it. Uh, what again? We're getting I'm getting way off the track. No,
0: it's okay. That's why. Uh, but the, the po- rants are the,
1: great. The point is is that there have to be other people. I mean, I know that my own partners, when we talk about this, they're disgruntled with what's going on at the hospital. They just don't have the Uh, ability to leave what they're doing
0: we do get the emails ask dr stew at gmail.com dr stew mentioned an email a moment ago this is really an appropriate time perfect time to uh, bring up this email from rachel we do first names only rachel thanks for the email thanks for listening to dr stew's podcast she writes hi dr stew i've had two friends in the past three months have c-sections for pretty much the reason of not fitting the friedman curve now i'll ask you very quickly what the friedman curve is for lay people listening
1: the friedman curve is a is a um well, uh, boy, what do I say? This it's, I guess it's a curve where you're expected it, uh, to dilate at a certain rate. Mm. Uh, if you're a first-time mom, you should dilate at least one centimeter per hour. Right. And it, from the, from from beyond four centimeters. And if you're a, a woman having more than her first baby, it should be at least one point five centimeters per hour. And I would hate to say this. Well, I don't hate to say this because you know how I am about studies. This study came out I think in the fifties by uh, a doctor Friedman. I'm sure he meant well. But it was based on less than a hundred patients mm. and it has changed maternity care, f-
0: exponentially. Forever, exponentially forever,
1: and it has caused so many women to have cesarean sections. Based on a sample who size, probably of 100. didn't need it. And now the American College is beginning to back off of the Friedman curve. Okay. But, so Rachel. That's I'm slow in coming. It's gonna be slow and coming. And so many women have been damaged by a study of less than hundred women. Again, assuming that all women dilate the same, all labors are the same, all fetal heart rate monitors are the same, everything is the same. Mm. And you know what? They and need? of course, they're not. They need conformity and uniformity in order to control you. This is what they do.
0: Uh, Rachel continues, Doctor Stu, and she refers to the two friends in the past three months who have had C sections. She says the friends have actively sought my advice before going into labor about how to avoid C sections, and I spent most of my energy counseling them on the cascade of interventions leading to fetal distress. She writes, "It didn't even occur to me to also talk." about the Friedman curve and the risks there as well their care was quote by the book close quote induction after 24 hours after water breaking laboring 10 hours on is it pitocin 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 I'm sorry I know pitocin c-section after failure to progress past three centimeters Dr. Stu what are the pros and cons of such a strategy can you talk more about this topic if you have already I don't remember what episode uh good news Rachel he's going to talk about it right now you don't have to find another episode right yeah here we go
1: Um, well, the strategy is, is obviously detrimental. All right. There, there, there are, again, you need to individualize your cases. What you're talking about is a hospital policy that says that all patients need to be following the same strategy. And that is so crazy because, you know, we already know that labor is different in, in, in many different women. We already know that, that rushing things you know, that having a timetable is detrimental to progress to all mammalian labor. Right. That once women come to the hospital and they're constantly interrupted and they're not allowed to eat and they have to lay flat in bed, or not flat, but other side. And in they bed. can't
0: see their babies until they urinate or something. I told a friend that story that you had. Oh, a as, number well, that's afterwards. I'm okay. still talking about before. <laughs> before, right. That you're,
1: that, that, and that, and that in order to, evaluate the Friedman curve properly in order to institute it properly, excuse me, you have to do vaginal exams because how do you know someone's dilating along the Friedman curve unless you're checking them every hour to two hours? And all those vaginal exams with someone who's ruptured their membranes are, we all know, is detrimental. So, you know, they know that this is, they have to know that this is bad medicine. They have to know that but Who have, has to know, the patient or the
0: doctors? No, the, the hospital policy makers. Oh, okay, the administrators.
1: Yes, they have to know that this is bad medicine, that, that checking a woman every two hours when she has ruptured membranes is wrong. They have to know that some labors progress more rapidly than others. You know, even, even ACOG, you know, which moves about at glacier speed, has decided that active labor really doesn't begin until six centimeters. Well, these ladies were all, her, at least her two clients were sectioned at three centimeters.
0: Right, friends of hers. They
1: never, so they were never really in active labor. And what happens with all these interventions is they're more likely to get fever, they're more likely to get uh, uh, fetal tachycardia, which means the heart rate goes up, they're more likely to get infection, and and it's going to lead to these problems. So if you just leave them alone— yeah, when I,
0: yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. If, 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 no, what do you say? You got you, me all riled up. No, I don't mean to, but you know what I, I think like? it could
1: be the chili burger, or it could uh, be the, the soda, but uh, it, it could be Brian—
0: I like to. Well, I like you riled up. And, and look, here's a question you said, if we just leave them alone. And I had a little of uh, a seed of a question forming in my head before you said that. Now it's perfect. I have to ask it. A lot of times, Dr. Stu here on your podcast, on our podcast, I feel honored to be a part of it with you. When 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 you get going, when you get ranting. Oftentimes, that that is the message. You know, leave these moms alone. Too much attention is sort of paid. Too many procedures are called for. Too much stuff is done to her and about her and technically for her. I'm going to ask you a question I've never asked you before. Are you sure? Yeah, I don't think I have. I don't think there is one left. (laughs) I'll surprise you. Okay. Is there a percentage number? By what percentage do you think pregnant women in the hospital are, dare I say, overtreated? I would probably say 100%. Wow, see that's quite an answer. Are overtreated. No, 100% are overtreated, but but uh, just pick random random mom who's giving birth. Right. How many of the procedures, uh, issues, things that are brought to her are not necessary? 50%? 40%? Well, again, we have to individualize each each
1: client. You can have a woman that that's having her third baby that walks in and delivers in half an hour you know she didn't get any interventions that were probably inappropriate. Right.
0: But 100% of the patients are overtreated at some point. Yes.
1: And I can I can start from the very beginning. That's remarkable. All right. First of all, the fact that they even have to go to the hospital is is overtreatment in 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 most cases, not all cases. Certainly not all. We're we're talking again about the general low-risk mother in labor. And we're not we when we talk about these things, Brian, we're not talking about the patients who have real problems like severe preeclampsia or pre, you know, premature rupture of membranes or you know, babies that are in real trouble or abruption of the placenta, that sort of thing. We're talking about women who show up in labor who you'd expect to be able to have a vaginal birth, all right? They're 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 interrupted from their, their uh, primitive brain state by being asked a, z- a zillion questions about things that don't matter, like... You know, we talked about this before. How many stairs do you have in your house? Right. Uh, and this is before t- she gets a room? Is uh, this
0: before she gets a room sometimes in no, the this ER? Is, when,
1: they get, when they get them into the room, okay. all right, the nurse has to fill out all the forms in order to get them admitted. Mm. Because nothing can be done to them right. until they're admitted. Which, by the way, I would tell people, you know, take a long time to get admitted. Because they really can't stick an IV in you. And they can't draw your blood. And they can't do anything until you're admitted. But they will put you on a monitor. All right, which in and of itself, we've talked about this before, that continuous fetal monitoring, the only thing it does is lead to higher C-section rates. There have been decent studies, at least level B, if not even level A evidence to suggest that uh, external fetal monitoring uh, does not decrease the rate of cerebral palsy. Mm. All it does is increase the cesarean section rate over intermittent monitoring. But the first thing they obviously do when they get you there is they have you change into a hospital gown. They have you pee in a cup and they put you in bed and they put the little straps around your belly. All right. That's all unnecessary intervention. All right. Checking your urine for protein and glucose and stuff, that's reasonable.
0: But having you get in a hospital gown, why do you need to do that? Let me ask At, you, where did having, the strap start? How did the strap start? What was the genesis of strapping down a, a oh, pregnant again, woman? It was,
1: it was the same thing as the Friedman curve. It was somebody who came up with the idea that monitoring continuously will be able to decrease rates of, uh, of bad outcomes and so they that it started and once it
0: started and you can only monitor continuously if you have continuous access to the to, to the client to the patient that's
1: right they're right. they're right they're, if, if they're, they get up
0: to, to go somewhere then you can't monitor them like
1: you couldn't be talking to me on the podcast if you weren't holding that microphone to your mouth
0: right so why not strap it to me
1: You're right right you just strap it to you and way, mm. wherever you go wow and you can't be but you can't reach the bathroom from here because right the cord doesn't go that far right. you have right. to ask permission yeah. to go to the bathroom so those things happen then of course they 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 will take your blood pressure, which is fine. But a lot of times, at some hospitals, they'll leave the blood pressure cuff on your arm so that it can pump up automatically every fifteen or twenty minutes. I don't know if you've you've ever sat around with you know the, a cuff on your arm. It but hurts. If you want to move freely. When well, it constricts, it yeah, it's, pain, it, it's, well, yeah, it's yeah, uncomfortable. But, but when it's not constricting, it's still sitting there. Yeah, right. And it's got a rubber cord. And, and why the do you dangling? Need, why do you need that? Right. You don't need an IV most of the time. All right. You don't need to be told that you can't eat or drink anything. Most, but almost all pregnancies in hospitals, that's what they do right these are the kind of things you're talking about so what i'm saying when i say 100% i'm talking about pretty much 100% what they what you want to be if you want to be in a hospital you want to be there because there's an emergency uh, operating room nearby but you don't want to do all these things that assume that you're going to end up there and that's the way pregnancy is looked at is that all these things end up they're all done in just in case like the what if what if scenario right rather than what if something goes wrong how about what if something
0: goes right yeah, yeah I-, I talked uh, go, ahead, please. go ahead. You, you know, I, I talked to a, a, a my friend's mom. She's 82. She'll be 82 in July. And uh, I was talking to her about you the other day. I'm proud of you, my friend, and what you do, the good work you do. So I said, yeah, I delivered three breaches and out of the hospital. And she's a three-time mom. And her eyes bugged out. Breaches outside of the hospital. I said, yeah, well, let me tell you a little bit about what he does. And I sort of uh, made her aware of a bit more of you and your practice and the way you care for your clients. And she said, look, Brian, she said, you know, I'm going to be 82. Of course, I wasn't born in a hospital. I was born at home. But then she immediately, even even uh, by the way, in Europe in Ireland, was born at home on another continent. But uh, she then, even in our conversation, began to go immediately to, and I thought of you and thought to ask you about this here on your 48th big podcast, she immediately went to well, you've you got to be at the hospital. What if something goes wrong? And attach that immediately to medical malpractice. Doesn't he want to be close by if something can go wrong instead of being liable, being at someone's home and something goes terribly wrong with with uh, w- w- with a delivery?
1: This is the way that we, this is the culture that we're brought up in. And who was this person? Her, her name is Anna. It's my friend's mom. Your friend's mom, okay. Yeah, your friend's mom is stating what 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 most of Americans think. And they've been, you know, three generations bred to think that that pregnancy is an illness and that, you know, something can go wrong. And of course we have the, uh, you know, litiginous American trial uh, legal system. And, you know, when something goes wrong in this country, you know, suing is the way to resolve it because money solves everything. Don't we know? And, um, I'm kidding.
0: Uh, you're being you're, sarcastic you're look, yeah, I know yeah, okay no you're, but I, I'm you're letting be
1: like you didn't you didn't make your usual sarcastic face no like, I'm
0: letting it, I'm thinking about letting it lay out there sometimes yeah. I don't say anything just so the audience can just kind of uh, marinate in it's it it's like a pregnant a, pause yes no pun intended here on <laughs> dr. Stew's podcast a pregnant pause
1: right so so this is what this is how people are, are, are led to believe I would tell you that things can go we've, we've talked about this many times things can go wrong when you leave somebody alone but they generally don't and if you trust the, that nature it's designed a system that births well, then putting people in the hospital to give birth is, you know, it, it's, it's like super, it's over-insuring yourself. Mm. I mean, it, it, you, know, it, it, you know, I understand. Things, you know, I've been doing home births now. I'm up to 97. Wow. Uh, we will have a, a, a good conversation about numbers. When I get three more, which should be within the next two three weeks, yeah, that's great. And then we'll do that one of our podcasts, and we'll go through some statistics. Right
0: um, now, how many expecting? It's an old term. Well, I got four
1: more due in this month, and oh, then I've okay. got four All more. All right, in so May, coming so. up real soon, we'll be right. able to
0: sort of get under the hood and look at those numbers, break down some uh, trends, maybe.
1: Yeah, no, I can't wait to talk. about yeah, that. Yeah, I can't either. And, and then I'm going to try to get it published. I'm going to see what I can do oh. about uh, getting data published because yeah, that's great. Again, it will be. It will. It will not be. Uh, double-blinded, randomized, controlled, uh, level-A science, but it will be at least an observational paper, and people will have an idea. When I talk about this, I'm not talking about it from shooting from the hip. I'm talking about it from living the experience. And I'm talking about it from me having to change the way that I saw birth, which was an illness, to the way I see it now, is that it's a normal thing that sometimes goes wrong. And your your friend's mother is classic for her idea that, well, if something might go wrong then we should do these things in the hospital. And I make the analogy, the joking analogy, that you know people do choke on their food, so should we eat all our food you know, at the, in the parking lot? In the emergency, room, or, right, the emergency yeah, room, right, yeah, right, right. No, of course you shouldn't do that. It's ridiculous. And yeah, I know we're talking about a life, and it's not the same thing as uh, choking on a piece of meat. It's, of course not. But uh, but, but my, from my own experience, I can tell you that the chance of somebody succeeding to have a vaginal birth in a home birth is far greater than having a hospital birth. Just from my own numbers, the C-section rate in the home birth population is anywhere from five to seven percent. The same population in a hospital is going to have a twenty or twenty-two percent cesarean section rate simply by the way they're cared for, and that's because of all these interventions. Getting back to Rachel's question, uh, the Friedman curve should go the way of the dodo bird. It should be extinct. It shouldn't be something that we should even rely on at all anymore. And if you can tell your your clients that they need to have this discussion with their physicians. What do they, th- ask them, what do they think of the Friedman curve? And if they think it's a great thing, then they need to have a conversation with that person. If that person doesn't budge, then they maybe need to look for another practitioner because the Friedman curve is something that has to go. It has led to more cesareans, more unnecessary interventions, more need for VBACs or, or the possibility of risks that are associated with VBAC because you need to avoid that first cesarean section and with all respect to dr Friedman, who did many great things in obstetrics this was not one of his great
0: things great passion on this edition of dr stew's podcast if you have a question for dr stew he takes emails ask dr stew at gmail.com again thank you to rachel for a great email that uh, uh, created a paved the way for a great conversation here on dr stew's podcast on podcast 48 now i texted you we're going to get to podcast 50 are we going to do something special remember i said maybe we should do a lo- you know some party streamers maybe i can get some finger foods or hors d'oeuvres i think we should do something fun for Podcast 50, bring back some great guests from the past. we got to think about that. It's coming up. Yeah, and maybe some of our listeners can email in some suggestions of what we
1: should do with our 50th
0: podcast. And you know what? If you're a listener to Dr. Stu's podcast and you'd like to attend... The historic taping of Dr. Stew's 50th podcast. Oh, my God. Send an email. Ask Dr. Stew at gmail.com. If you've got passion on the subject, you've got something to say. You're a new mom. You're a not so new mom or you one day would like to be a mom.
1: Yeah, I can tell you it'll probably be... What's the, what's the date today? I mean, I know we're, it's not the podcast isn't going to be done today. No, but we're taping on the 11th. We're we'll yeah, we'll taping on
0: April 11th, so we'll probably be taping again. We'll be doing Tuesdays or Fridays. Well, probably be somewhere around the 18th, 19th, somewhere between the 17th and the 19th, I would think, right? Well, it'll be.
1: It'll be no. It'll be the two weeks from today. So it'll be. Oh, that's right. It'll be okay. The twenty
0: fifth or the twenty fourth. The twenty second or the twenty fifth. Yeah, between the twenty second and the twenty fifth. Yeah. So email us, and we'll email you back, or one of our minions will email you back about this. Yes, yeah,
1: so you get free finger sandwiches if yes, you show up.
0: I'm going to bring some food. I'll bring pizza.
1: Or I might. I, or I might go to the Carl's Junior drive through and actually. And get, get some Carl's Tommy's. No, <laughs> oh,
0: no, get Tommy's. It's real good. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know I think there ought to be. You
1: know, you know I think there ought to be a law against putting fast food places too close to each other.
0: Oh, because you're too sleep deprived because to I'm figure... Too, I'm too sleep... <laughs> yeah, the Dr. Stew law we yes. would call it, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Make sure you peruse Podcast.com. This website is great. On the right side, of course, links to blogs and YouTube stuff and uh, sanctuary information. Great stuff. Articles from Dr. Stu.
1: I, I feel like we were all over the place today, but actually
0: we weren't, really. No, we weren't. Okay. The, the passion is great. We have a lot more to talk about. So please join us next time on podcast number forty-nine. Subscribe on iTunes. Do that. Go to iTunes. You'll get an alert every time there's a brand new podcast from Doctor Stu. Give him a nice review. Give him five stars on iTunes. And, all if, right?
1: you, and if you have a great obstetrician somewhere in the country, or uh, or or know somebody like that who is absolutely a great person but disgruntled with what they're doing. Have them contact us at AskDrStew at gmail.com. Yeah, we got
0: a gig for that person. We we do. We really do. AskDrStew at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. For my friend, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, I'm Brian Whitman. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, and thank you. Thanks for listening to Dr. Stu's podcast.